Welcome to Every Square Inch. I'm your host, Robert Cunningham, and we are in the midst of a four-part series on the internet. I took a week off last week because I was overseas with my wife celebrating uh, my 40th birthday. Can't make that real. 40th birthday. Um, I thought about recording an episode from London, but then I realized I was in London with my wife and no kids, and I couldn't think of anything less I would rather do than record a podcast. So thanks for being patient with a week off. So we are in this series on the internet and the impact on our lives. And this week we're going to look at the internet's influence on our relationships. I don't think anyone can deny that the internet has completely changed the way we relate to one another. In some ways, it's been fantastic, and we could talk about that all day long. But for our purposes, what are the consequences to a society that relates to one another through the medium of technology? We just take that for granted. But in the span of a decade, the majority of community life has been transferred to the virtual realm. Do we really expect that transition to not come at a cost? My in-laws live in Texas, and so we do a lot of FaceTime with them. So that's a fantastic technology um, advancement where grandparents and grandchildren can see each other and communicate. And yet, we fail to contemplate how this forms our children, relationally speaking. When one of my sons was a toddler, I kept catching him opening my laptop up. I would get on to him, tell him not to touch the laptop, but he kept on doing it. He didn't know how to actually put in the password and turn it on, but but I would literally catch him sitting there just looking at a blank screen. Well, one time I found him doing it, uh, but this time he was talking to the computer. He was saying, Gigi, uh, Gigi's, his, Gigi's his grandmother in Texas. Gigi, are you there, Gigi? And it clicked. He's just been wanting to talk to his Gigi. But then something else clicked. He thinks his grandmother lives inside a MacBook. That's kind of messed up. We enjoy these technologies, but do we ever stop to think about what they're doing to us? Let's discuss the internet's impact on our relationships. I have five observations for us, five things that have been lost because of the internet's impact on the way we do community. Because of the internet, relationships are now effortless, limitless, narcissistic, voyeuristic, and therefore non-existent. Let me say those again. Relationships are now effortless, limitless, narcissistic, voyeuristic, and therefore non-existent. Let's consider each of those. First, relationships are now effortless. Human beings are created in the image of the triune God, which means we are intrinsically relational beings. God is a trinity, one God in three persons, which means God has forever existed in perfect relationship with himself. In fact, it means that relationships are at the very core of eternal existence. And we, created in the image of God, bear this indelible attribute. We are relational beings created for community. However, that has been corrupted by the fall, and the way in which we do relationships now is fundamentally flawed. And the flaw is that I am a selfish relational being, meaning I want to take and not give. 
And when you look at relationship defined by the Trinity, it is a self-sacrificial love and delight in another that is at the core of the Trinity. What this means is that community always bears with it a cost. We give of ourselves to another in the labor of love. But the fall has turned us all inward such that we don't want to give. We want to take. We spurn the demands of love and the costs of community. So we long for relationships, but we don't want to do what true relationships require of us. Well, do you know what the internet, specifically social media, has done? It has solved that fallen dilemma. It gives us our relationship fix without the built-in demands of true relationships. You know, it's hard work to get to know somebody. You have to earn their trust, invest time, uh, demonstrate kindness, have multiple conversations. It used to be laborious to get let in on someone's life in any intimate way. But now the only barrier of intimacy is whether they approve your follow requests. Or in many cases, their profile is wide open and you don't even have to request. So with a simple search, I have bypassed hours of effort and am completely let in on your life. Anything I want to know, what do you do for a living? What are your hobbies, your, your, your kids, your vacations that you've taken? Heck, what, what you ate for dinner? Still trying to figure out the food picks and why that's interesting. But I can even see what you ate for dinner at that great restaurant. I can scroll through your life in a matter of minutes and, quote unquote, get to know you. And I no longer have to bear the burdens of awkwardness and discomfort. Relationships demand that we press through our own insecurities, that we get over ourselves and our fears. You know, something as simple as introducing yourself, shaking a hand, looking someone in the eyes, picking up the phone, ringing a doorbell. These are all uncomfortable, but so necessary. I have vivid memories of being in middle school and having my first crush and the awkwardness and intimidation of having to pick up the phone. I would pick up the phone and, you know, it'd ring once and I'd hang up. And then I'd pick up the phone and let it ring a little bit more and then hang up and pick up the phone and someone would answer and I'd hang up. Um, And then, you know, finally I'd work up the nerve to call and they'd answer and, you know, hello, Mr. So-and-so, I'd love to speak to your daughter. Is your daughter there? And, you know, he'd say, who's this? And I'd have to, you know, this is Robert Cunningham. I'm in her class. And, you know, he'd say, okay, well, you can talk five minutes. I remember there'd be always be a time limit to how long we talk, and then the parent would get on and be like, that's enough for today. That's, that's just all so painful and uncomfortable and yet so good. But now all that has been bypassed. We can hide behind our smartphone and social media profiles. Just text directly. Just click follow or friend request. Just slide into someone's DM. Just swipe right. No more uncomfortableness. No more awkwardness. Relationships are now effortless, which in turn is making us utterly inept with real life demands of real life relationships. Here's the second consequence I see. 
Not only are relationships effortless, they are now limitless. So let's talk about how many supposed relationships we now have. How many friends do you have on Facebook? How many followers do you have on Instagram or Twitter? How many contacts do you have in your cell phone? You do realize how insane it is to think that that is doable. Access to us now has no limits. We are unsustainably stretched thin, relationally speaking. And this is a first for us. It used to be that at any given stage of life, there really weren't that many people who had access to you, and certainly your friendship. I thought back to my high school days and counted up the amount of people who had true friendship access to me, and it was under 20 that I could think of. Now, I certainly had a lot of acquaintances. I went to a large high school, went to Henry Clay, large high school, but only a handful had real access would know what I'm, I was up to, would reach out and, and call me, would, would hang out with me, etc. And then as I moved on to college, some friendships naturally fell away and new friendships were acquired. There was a natural progression of relationships in order that the ones I did have were manageable and able to flourish. Could you imagine if I was expected to retain every single relationship from childhood until now? But that's exactly what we're doing. If you meet someone on an airplane, they follow you on Instagram and start interacting. Now you might say, what's the big deal? Um, Isn't that a good thing? Well, in some ways, yes. Shout out to the new friend I did make on the airplane in case he's listening. In some ways, our new world is so fun, but we have to ask if anything is being lost. Maybe we can't handle limitless relationships. Maybe this is unsustainable and overwhelming. Maybe you weren't made to get lost in endless details of lives you barely know while neglecting the true relationships God has placed in your life. Maybe we weren't made for relationships to be reduced down to little intimacy snippets on social media. I mean, don't you feel overwhelmed? Don't you feel like your time is demanded in an untenable way? Don't you feel like you're always letting someone down? An email, a text, a message that you need to respond to? All the while relationships in your life that truly do need your attention are being neglected. The problem is that technology has made you available to everyone and everyone available to you. Access is limitless. When I was researching this issue, I came across the publications of Dr. Ken Funk at Oregon State University. I found his Uh, I found his writings really interesting on the topic, and so I googled his contact info. I sent him an email, and we ended up setting up a phone call. Now, you say, what a beautiful day and age we live in where I can access an expert on the subject so easily. Yes, but when we got on the phone and started talking, he pointed out the dilemma of this world that we have created. He said, I don't know you. We're not connected in any way, but here I am giving up an hour of my day to some random guy in Kentucky. Now, he was kidding, but also I detected a seriousness to him. 
you know, 50 years ago, you know, heck, 20, 30 years ago, Dr. Ken Funk would never have to worry about Robert Cunningham intruding into his life, requiring his time and effort. But in our new world, that is the new normal. Unlimited connectivity. Relationships are now limitless. Next, they are narcissistic. We have always been self-obsessed. This is the fundamental flaw of fallen humanity. We naturally think the world revolves around us. But one of the beautiful graces of relationships has always been their incredible ability to force us to recognize that there are other people in this world and it's not all about me. Well, now, instead of weaning us off ourselves, our online lives reinforce the lie that it is indeed all about me. Consider the platform of social media. At its core, it is just that, a platform. It is a manipulation of relationships into a means to self-serve my own self-obsession. Social media is not community, it is consumption. And what is being consumed is the intoxicating thrill of being noticed. We have created a world with a built-in audience that we are constantly trying to impress. All of these social media followers are not relationships as much as they are spectators. Spectators who possess the social media currency of likes. We don't exchange money, we exchange likes. And in this way, on social media, it becomes this insatiable pursuit of the thrill of that notification and the elusive hope of viral glory. We are witnessing what it looks like to do life as performers on stage before the audience that is your following. And what this means is that life becomes as fake as an actor on stage playing a part. It's not real. That's not you. That is who you want you to be before your audience. And so what this all means is that we have created a new virtual world with me at the center stage. The online universe does revolve around me, which is the heart of fallen narcissism. So effortless, limitless, narcissistic, and next, voyeuristic. Now what happens in social media is that you are simultaneously on center stage of your own platform and the audience of others' platforms. You see, the flip side of narcissism is voyeurism. The two go hand in hand. Because if I am self-obsessed, I will therefore become others-obsessed, but not in a good way, in a competitive way. So if I am obsessed with myself, then I will become obsessed by how I measure up against the competition. This is why pride leads to criticism envy, gossip, bitterness, coveting, uh, so many other fallen proclivities. And all of these things have found the ultimate occasion for indulgence in social media. You know how it works. Endlessly lost in details of others, many times you don't even know these people. I mean, we call it stalking for a reason because that's what we're doing. We have created a world where we simply stalk one another. And social media has the added benefit of doing so anonymously. 
so we can peruse the lives of each other all day, indulging sinful tendencies and nobody will ever know. But the problem is that these sinful tendencies cannot be the basis of relationship. Envy divides, it never unites. So they aren't friends, they're competition. Competition that we voyeuristically stalk and obsess over. Okay, effortless, limitless, narcissistic, voyeuristic, and finally I conclude they are therefore non-existent. We come now to the great irony of the social media age. Though it promises to be this great breakthrough in relationships, it has become the very demise of relationships. Relationships that are effortless, limitless, narcissistic, and voyeuristic are not relationships. You see, true relationships necessarily require labor and hard work, but now relationships are effortless. True relationships necessarily require focused attention into limited lives, but now relationships are limitless. True relationships necessarily require that we consider others, not just ourselves, but now relationships are narcissistic. And true relationships necessarily require that we fight against um, jealousy, gossip, bitterness, criticism, envy, and all of these things that harm friendship, but now relationships voyeuristically indulge these things, which only begs the question, if we have forsaken that which true relationships demand, then have we forsaken true relationships altogether? The answer, it seems, is that we have. Ironically, social media has given rise to the loneliness epidemic. Like the ubiquity of pornography has destroyed sex, we talked about that last time, the ubiquity of social media has destroyed relationships. A staggering 54% of Americans say that nobody knows them. 25% of millennials, one in every four millennial you meet, says they don't have one single friend. How is that possible? You have thousands of friends on Facebook. The answer is that this is not friendship. This is counterfeit, a cheap imitation of intimacy. We are living our lives in counterfeit community. It's the reality that is so obvious, but nobody seems to notice. None of this is real. You're not with someone. You're with your phone. That's not a real face with real emotions. That's an emoji. You're not talking. You're texting and messaging. This is all counterfeit. And though we may not notice this obvious fact, we are most certainly feeling it. What happens when human beings designed for intimacy are deprived of intimacy? An entire culture that is lonely, depressed, angry, cynical, and hates what life has become. A culture with happy online lives who hate their real lives. Between 2003, 2003 and 2006, which is when social media took over our world, there was an unprecedented increase in suicide, specifically adolescent suicide. And it's been steadily increasing ever since. 
Dr. Jeff Bridge is a principal investigator for uh, the Research Institute at Nationwide Children's Hospital, and he has studied these suicide trends. Here's what he says. We now have to consider the possibility that suicide increase is an indicator of an emerging public health crisis. And it is. It has become a public health crisis how much people hate their lives. Listen, I don't mean to be an alarmist, but I think we need to be alarmed. Our culture is suffering under the unbearable weight of loneliness. What can we do? What is a better way forward? Well, when it comes to combating social media, I would just point you back to my first podcast on the internet as a technology. I gave two principles. Limit the limitless power of the internet and bring exposure to the anonymous power of the internet. Now, if you will just do those two steps, if you will take those seriously, it will go a long way in curbing the negative effects of social media in your life. You have to have convictions and accountability with social media in the same way you do porn, like we talked about. I guess not in the same way. You you should never indulge porn at all, but social media can be appropriate in proper proportions. But my point is that your commitments should be as steadfast. And that may mean, yes, it could mean that you can't use social media because it's, it's too tempting of an addiction. You know, contrary to popular belief, you don't have to be on Instagram to live. You could turn it off and shut it down. So, Yes, there are some practical steps that can be taken to diminish the negative effects of social media on our lives, but I'm going to give you a more proactive way forward, a simple application that will change things. Now, more than ever, you must be committed to a local church. If you're listening to this and you're not a Christian and so going to church is a crazy concept to you, then I I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know how to help you navigate this lonely world of ours, except to plead with you to join the family of God, which is an oasis of community within this isolated, depressed world. But if you are a Christian, then I'm going to tell you what to do. Local church, local church, local church. You don't need this podcast, or any podcast for that matter. You need a local church community. You don't need a Christian celebrity pastor. You need local church community. You don't need YouTube sermons or sermon clips. You need local church community. We've always needed the church, but now more than ever, we are dying for the local church. So find one, join one, and immerse yourself into the deep, intimate fellowship of a covenant community where you will find the deep, intimate fellowship of the Savior who says to you this. Listen to these words, you lonely social media souls. No longer do I call you servants. I call you friends. At the end of the day, this social media epidemic is an attempt, a vain attempt, to numb out the loneliness that we all know is there, to fill the void that was left 
by our rebellion against the God for whom we were made. Oh, for our culture to know a gospel that says the God of the universe wants to call you his friend. In fact, has died to call you his friend. May the friendship of God fill the void left by all these counterfeit communities. Thanks so much for listening. I would love for you to feed my online self-obsession with a five-star rating and review. It's what my lonely soul is desperate to find. Uh, seriously, thanks thanks for those who've left their feedback. It really does help. And we will be back next week for another episode of Every Square Inch. 